Okay, welcome again to real life. Uh, it is real life, and so things don't always work. Like this morning when we showed up and the projector kept shutting off. So that's why you're watching it on the little screen up front and not the, not the big screen. Anyway, we're going to keep on rolling. So last week I shared with you during the giving talk that um, 
we had supported, we'd helped, we'd given a bunch of uh, old sound equipment stuff to Impact Christian Church. And uh, that was their video after their first official launch Sunday. And so just wanted to share that with you. And just remind you that when you give here at Real Life, uh, whether here in person or joining us online, uh, you're giving to support the kingdom. Not just uh, our little kingdom here at Real Life, but uh, the kingdom around the world. Remember, we support... Um, the church plant in Koper, Slovenia, uh, and whenever possible, we support other church plants and organizations, uh, both here in town and uh, around the country. Um, and so just thank you for giving. Thank you for giving and being faithful in that, whether you give much or you give little, uh, God sees the heart. We talk about that all the time. God doesn't care about the amount of money that goes in the, in the bucket. He cares about the heart and whether you're uh, giving that to him because he's God and what he's done for you or uh, um, or you're being stingy with that, right? God wants us to live with open hands, uh, both to him and to others. And so we want to practice generosity whenever we can here at Real Life. And so we want to give you the opportunity to give, um, uh, whether this is your first time or you've been here a, a bunch. Uh, we believe that what you give goes to support kingdom work, uh, again, both here and around the country and around the world. And so uh, we want you to give with confidence in that, knowing that we're going to do the best we can with, uh, with what you give to support the mission and ministry that God has called us to here at Real Life. So if you're joining us uh, online, you can... Uh, uh, go to reallifecc.us, click on any uh, page, and there's an orange icon in the bottom right-hand corner that says give, and just uh, follow the steps there, set up an account, and you'll be good to go. You can do that as well if you're in person with us here. In our COVID-safe uh, giving uh, options, um, there's also a bucket in the back if you'd like to give cash or check. We invite you to do that as well uh, anytime today during the service and if you give uh, through the app online you can also set that up recurring so you don't have to worry about it uh, happening and just do it on the schedule that you pick uh, all the time and so that's a handy feature as well all right let's pray thanks God for all that he's given God thank you for um, just uh, the kingdom that you have made us a part of through your son Jesus so we want to thank you for uh, Nick and his family and the work that's being done uh, in independence through impact Christian church Church, um, and really, God, the church all around, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Koper, Slovenia, and the work that you're doing there uh, to plant the church and rescue people from sin and uh, bring them in to the kingdom of your son. So God, uh, just uh, as we give today, would you take that, would you multiply it, would you use it to further the mission and ministry that you've called us to here and to help us help other churches and other people do the work that you've called them to as well. I thank you for this generous church and this generous people here at Real Life. And so God, we give today from a heart of thankfulness and uh, we know that you are going to see us through no matter what happens next. And so thank you, God, for this time and our ability to partner with you in ministry through the act of giving. And uh, God, we want to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. we have come to the time in our service for communion. Here at Real Life, we practice open communion. We just ask that you be a believer in Christ. During the next song, if you would like to take communion, feel free to go to the stations on either side of the room or in the back. You may take communion alone, with family or friends, or just stay seated if you do not wish to participate. 
So I was reading in Malachi this week and was struck by these words to the Israelites about the human condition. And I thought we too sometimes find ourselves doing this. The human condition hasn't changed much over the years. So we start in Malachi. Isn't it true that a son honors his father and a worker his master? So if I'm your father, where's the honor? If I'm your master, where's the respect? Instead of honoring me, you profane me. You profane me when you say, worship is not important. And what we bring to worship is of no account. And when you say, I'm bored, this doesn't do anything for me. And when you do offer something to me, it's a hand-me-down, or broken, or useless. Do you think I'm going to accept it? This is God speaking to you. Let's pray. Father, as we take communion today, may we be ever mindful to give you our best. Lord, with our, obedient, with our obedience, would we be... Um, Will we just give you our first fruits and, and not the leftovers? Father, I pray that you would just prick our hearts today as we remember your son's sacrifice, that we would just realize how to honor you and how to respect you and how to always put you first. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.
Buddy up now? Awake? Ready? Okay, good. So, um, I, I don't know, do, do any of you ever pay attention to the drug commercials that come on on TV? Anybody pay attention to those? A few, few people? Pay attention to those? Uh, okay, so, you, you know, like we're, gonna, we're getting ready to see a whole lot more of these drug, like pharmaceuticals, it's a big business, it's a big deal, and there's a bunch of companies right now in this huge race for uh, a COVID-19 vaccine, right? And so we're gonna start seeing, I think, a lot more of these drug commercials come on. And I was thinking about them in, in light of starting this new series, uh, this Great Expectations series. And, and uh, th this thought occurred to me as I was thinking about those commercials because all of those drug commercials kind of follow the same pattern. They kind of go the same direction. They go the same way, right? So you're sitting there watching a show, whatever it is, you're engaged in it, and the drug commercial comes on, and there's this narrator with this just really, like, pleasing and excited voice, right? And so whether it's a female or male, they come on, and they're talking about whatever it is this drug is, and, and they show these great pictures of people up on the screen. And they seem to have, like, no ill effects from either their condition or the side effects of the medication that they're talking about in the commercials, right? The people are always just happy and they're smiling and life is going great and I'm with the grandkids and I can bend over and I can stand up and I can do all of these things and life is just fantastic. And over the top of it, that narrator is just talking about all the great things you can do if all you just take this pill once a week, once a month, once a year and, and all of your problems just kind of go away and you can do all the things that you always wanted to do. And that's the way it goes through the whole commercial until right at the very end, right? And at the very end, something changes. 
instead of the narrator having this excited voice and kind of all this stuff, the, the video kind of climaxes right there at the end, and it's great, and everybody's enjoying everything, and then the narrator goes to this totally monotone voice, and it never changes. And it goes really fast, about twice the speed of normal. And they list all of the negative side effects of the drug, right? And they talk about all of those things. And, and, and they're like, look, this could happen. This could, and they're like listing this stuff. And up to and including like death, right? Oh, and by the way, you take this pill, you could die. But they say it in that monotone voice. And it's really fast. And so they know what happened. Like, like I don't know... you. You understand marketing and commercials and stuff? That's big business right now. And so what happens is they've spent a lot of time and money and effort figuring out what people listen to and what people tune out. And so when the commercial first comes on, the guy's excited and they're talking about how great life is. We're like, oh, that sounds good. I might like to take that medication. I'm going to bring that up to my doctor. I might be able to get out of bed in the morning. This sounds fantastic. And then at the end, when they go to that monotone voice and they speed up really quick, our brains are conditioned to just tune that junk out. So we don't pay attention to take this pill and you might get it, be able to get out of bed for a day or two, but then you're going to die. So it's not like, like we've got to balance those things, right? What's going on? So these commercials, they've conditioned us to listen to the good parts and forget about the bad parts. And I think that for a lot of us as believers in Jesus, we kind of treat our faith and how we share our faith like one of those drug commercials. We tell about how God has showed up in our lives, right? And the good things that he's done for us and how he rescued us from whatever. He showed up at the last minute and it was fantastic. And he rescued me from this addiction or, or from this trouble or from this shame or from this doubt or, or whatever. And, and God would just showed up and it was great and it was fantastic. And, and God worked everything out and all of my problems are over and it's wonderful. But we tend to leave out the stuff that happens in between that, Right? The months and months and months sometimes that we prayed and nothing happened. The time that we were, we were waiting for God, like, yes, God showed up at the last minute and we were able to pay the rent or, or, or put gas in the car or whatever, pay the hospital bill, whatever it was. Yes, God showed up in the last minute, but there's a lot of minutes that lead up to that last minute, right? Where we kind of doubt and, and we're struggling with that and we're, we're wondering is God going to show up or is he not going to show up and so we have all of these struggles and, 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 and we don't talk about the months of waiting calling on God before he responded. We just tend to talk about the good stuff and how God showed up. We don't talk about the times that God felt distant from us. Like I was going to church and I was praying and I was reading my Bible, but it just felt like my words were kind of hitting the ceiling and dropping back down. And I wonder if maybe we feel like if we, if we tell people about the difficult time, right? About the, the time that isn't just great and wonderful and fun and God just showed up and took care of everything, that, that maybe they wouldn't want to follow God. 
Like if, if your friend who's not a believer knew the internal struggle and the, and the difficulty that you've had, even as a person of faith, that maybe they won't want to follow Jesus. And so I think as believers over the centuries, we've tried to focus so much on the blessings that God has given us and, and you should accept God because look at what he's done for my life and look at how he's fixed it and he's put it all together. We've inadvertently created a culture where being a Christian is about what we get from God, not what God's already done for us. And so a lot of people, they come to faith with these great expectations of what God is going to do for them. But the reality for us as, as believers is that people don't shy away from hard things. They shy away from hollow things. They shy away from things that lack purpose or meaning in their lives. And so as believers, we gotta, we've, we've got to be real, right? It says right there. <laughs> we got to be real and, and put away those masks. And sometimes as believers, we can put on these happy masks that, that say, oh, look, everything is great and God is wonderful and God just meets all of my needs and everything is perfect and I've got a new car and a new house and a new whatever and everything is great. We leave out all the other stuff. And, and then our friends, they come to faith and life isn't perfect, and it's not all put together. And they're like, hey, I, I came in, and I gave a little money, and I showed up, and I served, and God isn't putting my life together the way I expected him to. If we truly want to engage in life-giving relationship with God, we've got to let go of all of those gimmicks, those expectations that we have in our lives, and we've got to just hold on to the gospel. We've been talking about the gospel through COVID and really a lot this year. We've been talking about the gospel and about the kingdom. And so let me just remind you, when we talk about the gospel, this is what we're talking about. That the kingdom of God came, that it continues now, and that it's coming again. And that that kingdom came and continues and is coming through the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus defeated sin on the cross in our place, and he defeated death when he rose again for us. Jesus did those things to restore our relationship with God and adopt us into his family, to make us his sons and daughters. And that's good news. That's, that's what the word gospel means. It means good news. And, and that right there, that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he made a way for us to have eternity with God, that should be enough for us to surrender our lives to him, not for what we might get someday in the future, but for what we've already got, the promise of real life. So our bottom line today is, is this, that we're going to kick off the new series looking at the expectation of blessing today and how many followers, followers of Jesus, think that being blessed means that we get all of the good things from God and we get none of the gunk. 
When the truth is, and our bottom line today is, that faith doesn't guarantee the absence of pain, but the promise of presence. When we come to faith, we're not guaranteed that God will take all of our pain away and our struggle away and our difficulties away. He's not going to make us have perfect children. He's not going to straighten out whatever's messed up with our spouse. He's not going to just fix everything. It's going to be rainbows and unicorns all the time. But he is going to be present with us through all of that junk. So we're going to look today at a list of people that God used in powerful ways, people that we often think must have lived blessed lives, and we're going to see how the expectation of physical blessing wasn't and isn't the goal for followers of Jesus. And that that each of, of those we think must have been blessed when we read their stories in the Bible Each of those we think must have been blessed by God actually, at least in what we're going to look at today, never received the thing that had been promised to them. But they died not with disappointment, but with determination. So let's pray as we kick off this new series. God, thanks for just being with us and bringing us uh, this morning to this day and this moment because we know that you want to share something with us that could really change our lives. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's not glamorous, this life of faith. It, it's not that you're going to just take care of everything in our lives, but, but God, help us to hold on to this truth that the, the promise we have is that you're going to be present with us. That you're never going to leave us or forsake us. That you're going to walk through every difficult thing that comes against us in our lives. You're going to be right there with us. We don't have to face those things alone anymore. And so today, God, as we kick off this new series and we we begin talking about the great expectations that we have when we come to faith, And how sometimes all of those things don't pan out for us. God, would you just begin to develop within us this this firm foundation. Over and over, Scripture talks about Jesus, the gospel, this truth of God creating everything as this rock that we can stand on. That will never be moved and never be shaken And even though life falls apart around us, God, we can have faith and hope that you're going to be with us always. So help us to remember that, God, as we start today. And give us ears to hear, hearts to understand this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before we get going in the rest of the service, I want to take just a second out and direct your attention over there in the dark. That is Angelia. She's running the uh, screens for for us today. Hey, none of that. That's her husband, by the way. Uh, Anyway, Angelia is over there. So uh, good job, Angelia. Uh, Julie is out of town today. And so Angelia agreed to step in. So good job. And uh, also want to shout out to, uh, to Darlene and Joanna who showed up again this morning to help fill uh, the gap when Ray is out with his uh, knee replacement. So thanks, ladies, for being here uh, as well. 
So let's jump into uh, to our text today. Um, and if you've been around church and you know your Bible very well, you probably know the text that we're going to look at today. It's Hebrews chapter 11. It's often called the, uh, the faith or the hall of faith uh, chapter in the Bible. And it's where the writer of Hebrews just kind of lists down a whole bunch of people who did great things for God. And so we're going to kick off in uh, verse 1, hopefully, boom, right here. So it's so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and we're looking at this in um, the contemporary English version uh, of Scripture. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see, which that's a good way to start, right? It was their faith, he says, that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Because of our faith, we know that the world was made at God's command. We also know that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. Because Abel had faith, he offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. God was pleased with him and his gift. And even though Abel is now dead, his faith still speaks for him. Enoch is another, another one of those people with faith. Enoch had faith and did not die. He pleased God. God took him up to heaven. This is why his body was never... Testing. Without faith. Okay. Uh, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and rewards everyone who searches for him. Because Noah had faith, he was warned about something that had not yet happened. He obeyed and built a boat that saved him and his family. In this way, the people of the world were judged and Noah was giving the, given the blessings that come to everyone who pleases God. Abraham's another one. He had faith and obeyed God. He was told to go to the land that God had said would be his, and he, would, uh, and he left for a country he had never seen. Because Abraham had faith, he lived as a stranger in the promised land. He lived there in a tent, and so did Isaac and Jacob. Those are his sons, grand, son and grandson, who were later given the same promise. Abraham did this because he was waiting for the eternal city God had planned and built. So he starts off that passage of, of Scripture with, with this uh, statement. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for. Makes us sure of what we hope for. And so I, I was thinking about it this way. We only hope for things before they happen. And so he's saying faith makes us sure of what we hope for. That means he's pointing to the future, right? Sure of what we hope for. Do you, do you remember, um, uh, some of you are going to have a hard time with this, like me. Remember being a kid uh, before Christmas. Like, I don't want to bring this up. I know 2020 has been a rough year, but we're getting closer to Christmas all the time. Now, that's a good thing, I think, because that means that 2021 will come very soon after that. And that will hopefully be uh, good and a little better year than this one was. Um, but anyway, if you've had economic issues and problems and hardships this year because of all of the stuff that's gone on, you may not be looking forward to Christmas very much. But, but just remember with me for a minute, back when you were a kid and you were waiting for Christmas, right, as it got closer and closer and closer you got more excited and more excited. And, and, and maybe you experienced one of those things where, where something came, like a new toy, or maybe you were getting older and you were going to get a bike, uh, or something was going to happen and you had something that you desperately wanted for Christmas. And as Christmas got closer, you hoped and you hoped for that, and you got more excited and more excited and more excited for it. 
And, and if that hope came uh, true, and on Christmas Day you got that thing you hoped for, man, you're over the moon, right? You're really excited. But your hope is gone. Like there's nothing to hope for anymore. I got the thing that I wanted, but now what do I do? That's why a lot of people are depressed after Christmas. Because we hope for these great things. Maybe it wasn't even a gift. I hope that my family can be together and we won't have to fight and we'll just have a great time being together and it'll be wonderful. We'll have some time off. And then you get together and, you know, something burns and your family's arguing and everything and, and it didn't work out the way you wanted. We have all of this hope that builds up to this moment and, and, and then it kind of falls apart when it's over. Our hope is gone and we go, what do we do now? Maybe you hoped for that present as a kid and then Christmas came and you didn't get it. And maybe you got some really cool stuff, but because you didn't get that one thing that you hoped for, nothing else quite fills that gap. We struggle with that. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing, but hope is only needed before what we hope for happens. And so the the, the writer of Hebrews 11 says, faith causes us to hope for things that haven't happened yet. It's directing us and pointing us to the future. But you and I don't know the future, right? We don't know what's going to happen. And so the future is a struggle for us, and and it's often confusing, and and we don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in five years or ten years or even next year or next month. So faith makes us sure of these things that we hope for, but we go, how does that help us? How does that help us? Well, I want to look at the rest of verse 1. Uh, I think I got it. Boom, maybe. Is it coming up? Yeah. Okay, go to the next one, Angelia. Boom. Okay. So faith makes us sure. Good job, Angelia. Thank you. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for, and it gives us proof of what we cannot see. So we're hoping for something in the future, and we have proof of what we cannot see. Now, do we have scientific proof of, of what we can't see? No. No, we don't have scientific proof of what we can't see. But I think what the writer is is saying is this, that this faith, this proof of what we cannot see, it gives us the confidence to move forward when we can't see the future. So he's not saying we have this scientific proof and it's empirical and we can see it, but he's saying in our lives and the way that faith works in our lives is that when we have faith, it gives us the confidence to move forward into a future that we can't see because we're hoping for something. And so we can move forward in ways that maybe other people wouldn't because we have faith that God's going to show up and do things that we can't. So, real life church can be planted in a living room with four families without really any outside money or outside help in planting. 
And we can come to a point almost 14 years later where there's over 100 people that, that gather and people um, from all over the world that join us on uh, live stream to listen to what God has to say from little old El Dorado, Kansas. And so those four families who met in a living room to start this church could move forward in faith because we hoped for something that we couldn't see. And that faith, that hope, gave us the proof or the confidence that we needed to move forward when we couldn't see what the end result was going to be. The things that we hope and, and dream for, and we can move forward towards those things even though they seem impossible. And so what we need to know from this first verse in Hebrews chapter 11 is that faith is about the future. And so let me share with you this next idea. Uh, faith is trusting the promise maker, not keeping a tally of promises materialized. And that kind of faith the faith that inspires hope and confidence, even in the face of failure, even in the face we go, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to pay for that. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how we're going to accomplish that. That kind of faith is what pleases God. When we trust the promise maker, and we're not just keeping tally of the promises materialized. So, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, he starts out with this primer on faith. And he wants us to understand that faith is focused on the future. That it's future focused. We're looking towards something that hasn't happened. We're having hope for something that's going to happen in the future. And we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But because we have faith, we have confidence to move forward into an unknown future because we trust the God of the future. And then he goes on in the, in the rest, or maybe she, I don't know, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews. Next, the writer goes on in the rest of chapter 11 to remind us of great feats by great people of faith, some of the most famous biblical individuals in, in history. And so we're going to look at several of those people that we read about just a minute ago uh, as we move forward in through this message. So the first person that the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 mentions is Abel, right? Abel, Cain, and Abel. You have Adam and Eve, and they eat the fruit in the garden, right? They get kicked out of the garden, and then we're introduced to Cain and Abel. If you know the story, uh, Abel was a shepherd, and Cain raised a uh, fruit food out of the ground right which was difficult because God had cursed the ground because of the sin of Adam and Eve and he said you're going to struggle and it's going to be difficult and you're going to plant all of these things but weeds are going to come up and so Cain was not a very happy guy um, I think <laughs> we don't know that for sure but I think he just wasn't very happy in the things that were going on Abel however he was a shepherd and so the sheep could eat grass or weeds or whatever they had, and so that was good. And so Cain and Abel would bring offerings to God, but Abel brought a better offering. So Abel had faith in God, and that faith caused him to honor God with the best of what he had, 
And he brought that as a sacrifice to God who had given him everything. And so the writer tells us that God was pleased with Abel's gift. But here's what I find interesting. God was pleased with him and his gift. And we're like, ooh, yay! Like, what happens? If I please God and I bring a good gift to him, what's going to happen? God's going to bless me. And I'm going to get good things from God. Yay, that's how God works. And even though Abel's now dead, you're like, wait a minute. Well, I thought he pleased God. And I thought his offering was the best offering. How is he dead? And and remember, Abel's not just dead. His brother went and found him and murdered him. So, if this was the only scripture that we had, the only Bible passage that we had in the world, we would be like, um... Don't please God or give him good gifts because somebody will kill you. That's not, like those don't go together, right? Like if you're just reading that, you've never read the Bible, you don't know anything about it, you read this verse and you're like, this seems strange to me. Like why is this in the hall of faith that Abel did this good thing and then he got murdered? Yay, let's all go out and be uh, Christians. That sounds wonderful. Um, well, that's not really the end of the story, right? The point is, Abel's faith didn't result in physical blessing in his life. Now, I would argue, because I'm the preacher, that he was blessed. Because Abel got to go be with God. He didn't have to worry about his brother sneaking up behind him anymore in the field. And so it's a different kind of thing. It's a different kind of blessing. But what we're talking about here is this great expectation that we have that when we come to faith, God's going to do all these great things for us. And then we look at stories like this and we go, wait a minute, this doesn't seem like it fits my expectation of coming to God. Then we're told about uh, Noah and Noah's faith. Now Noah, the story of Noah is really interesting to me. Because there's a lot of things that that happen here. Scholars believe that up until the point of Noah and the great flood, right, the worldwide flood. And if you're wondering, yes, I believe that there was a worldwide flood. I believe that there is plenty of geological and geographical uh, proof that there was a worldwide flood. Um, And so that's the position that we're coming from. So before the flood, many scholars believed that it did not rain So if you were Noah, or his dad Lamech, or his granddad Methuselah, or his great-granddad Enoch, you would have never seen rain, like this is Kansas, we know what rain is. Sometimes it's straight up and down rain, and sometimes it's sideways rain, sometimes it feels like it comes up from the bottom, that's Remember Forrest Gump? Okay, so we get that in kids. But just think about it for a minute. Noah and his family probably never saw rain. There's several reasons for that. Many people who are way smarter than me and study that kind of thing believe that there was a water canopy that went all the way around the earth. So up in the atmosphere, there was a canopy of water. The Bible talks about how God separated the water above from the water below. And that doesn't make sense. But if you 
consider a water canopy around the, the world, that, that kind of makes sense. And so, okay, I can follow that. So there's this water canopy uh, around the world, and the Bible talks about how in the early days that dew came up, and that's how the ground was watered. So there was no rain. So God comes to this guy Noah when he's about 600 years old or so, and he says, hey, I'm going to make it rain. And Noah goes, what's rain? And he says, well, just trust me. And Noah's like, well, okay, whatever. So he says, build this big boat because I'm going to make it rain and I'm going to flood the whole earth and we don't understand that and, and don't know what's going on. So the water canopy did some pretty amazing things back then. Here's your science lesson for today. The water canopy that surrounded the earth made the entire earth much like a tropical forest. Um, that's why when you go to Antarctica or to the South Pole or whatever, you go to deserts, you find remnants uh, of fossilized rainforest plants, vegetation, all over the world. In crazy places. You're like, there's no way there could have been this here except that there's a water canopy over, um, it creates this kind of situation like a greenhouse, right? Not bad greenhouse, but good greenhouse. And it creates, everything is big. So the plants are bigger. It creates a super oxygenated uh, planet. So the plants grow bigger. The animals grow bigger. There'd be plenty of uh, plant and animal life for dinosaurs, People would live longer because of the oxygen content and, and could be bigger, stronger because of that. It could run a long time because of the oxygen-rich environment. All kinds of things that are really cool that happen because of that. And so the world was a pretty amazing place when God comes and says to Noah, hey, I, I'm going to flood it all and it's going to rain and I'm going to save you and your family. So Noah gets into this uh, boat. And that is amazing because Noah was confident to move forward into a future that he could not see or understand because he hoped that he would be saved from this, this rain, right, that he didn't know about. He built the ark. He saved not only his family, but he saved humanity. But we're um, talking about blessings today, so I'm going to get back to that. Imagine, if you can, for a moment, that your dad lived for 777 years, and that your grandfather lived for 969 years years and that at 600 years old you get in a boat you your wife your three sons their wives and you watch everyone on earth literally your entire extended family die in a flood okay you've been alive for 600 years you've got lots of extended family Lamech, Noah's dad, had lots of children, and so did Enoch, so did Methuselah. I mean, they were talking about lots of people. They got together for Thanksgiving, and it was like crazy madhouse. 
but it was everybody in the world. Can you imagine? Everybody in the world is related to you. Like you go, oh, that's my second cousin or what? Like, and there's hundreds, like lots of them. It's crazy. And they get into this boat and then you watch everybody in your family die. For 40 days and nights, you're on an ark, and you and your immediate family survived. But when you get off the ark, you, you get off the ark in a world that you do not recognize. Because the water canopy that surrounded the earth your entire life, 600 years, is now gone. And the landscape has completely changed. It's been underwater for 40 days and 40 nights. And so this tropical forest that existed all over the world now doesn't exist. And now there's not enough vegetation and not enough animals for the dinosaurs to survive. And the oxygen-rich environment that you knew is not there any longer. And you get off the boat and you begin looking around and you come to the realization that everything you knew and everyone you knew is gone. I think many of us, even if you're a teetotaler, would probably have joined Noah in a drink. That's a pretty devastating moment. And the point I'm making is that Noah's life was saved, but the world that he knew was over. And I'm sure that Noah was glad to be alive. I'm sure that he was glad that his wife and his children and their wives were there. And, and, and he was like, hey, we're, we're going to continue. But I'll bet that it didn't feel like a blessing in the moment. And then the writer goes on to talk about Abraham. Abraham had faith and he obeyed God, right? He was told to go to this land that he didn't know. So he left his homeland and he traveled to a place that he had never been before. Because of his faith, his hope, and his confidence, he lived as a stranger in a land that had been promised to him, but that he never took ownership of. He lived in a tent and so did his sons Isaac and Jacob, whose name God later changed to Israel. So you'd see how the flow works. Abraham's faith got him the blessing of living as a stranger in a foreign land in a tent. When it's highly likely that the home he left in Ur of the Chaldeans, the home that he left, he probably had roots and family there. He maybe had a nice house. He could have been a person of importance or wealth. And he left all of that to live in a tent in a land that wasn't his. And I got to go, I don't know if I'd call that a blessing. I don't know if I'd go, oh, thank you, God. I don't know. But we begin to see a little bit of why all of this is happening. And hopefully this is going to make sense really quickly. Look at verse 10. It says that Abraham did this because he was waiting for the eternal city God had planned and built. He wasn't waiting for what he had. He was waiting for what he hoped for. Faith is about our trust in the promise 
maker. Because faith looks to a future reward, not a past realization. If you trust, if your trust is in promises that have already been fulfilled, that's called fact, not faith. This was a a little big for me, right? If my trust is all in the things that God has already done for me, that is not faith. I can go, God did this. That's fact. I know it. It's already happened. And we already learned in verse 1 of chapter 11 that faith is future focus. What we hope for and the confidence that we have to move forward into a future that we don't understand or know. And so the things that God has already done for us, those are fact. Those are past. But faith is future focused. Faith gives us hope. That something better will happen. And it gives us the confidence to move forward into an unknown future. Faith is about the future. So I want to look at the next few verses because we're looking at the past, right? All of this stuff that we've read about, it's happened in the past. But for Abel and for Noah and for Abraham, it was all in the future. So let's look at the next verse, verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11. Every one of these people... As we've mentioned, die. I I probably couldn't do that again, but that's kind of (laughs) cool. Every one of those people died, but they still had, had faith. That's important, right? Because we go, they didn't receive the the physical blessings that they thought they were going to receive. And yet they didn't let go of their faith. They still had faith. Even though they'd not received what they'd been promised, they were glad just to see things from far away, and they agreed that they were only strangers and foreigners on this earth. They each died still having faith, even though none of them experienced the fulfillment of their promise. And that's crazy to me. That's crazy because in our culture today, we have very little use for delayed gratification. That's why we have microwaves. I bought a new pair of running shoes the other day, and uh, I was in talking to the salesman, and we were just chit-chatting as I was making my way out, and I, we were talking about running and the struggle of, of running, and I'm not, I don't really like it, but I, it's good for you, and so I've been doing it, now about five weeks, I've been pretty consistent in that, but I remember I was telling the salesman, the struggle that I have is that when I run, I often think, like, don't do this, by the way. If you ever don't, this is the thing not to do. I always think when I'm running, if I were in my car, I would be there already. Um, so I bought a shirt that says, the faster you run, the faster you're done, which I thought that was a pretty good bottom line. Anyway, um, Like, that's the struggle, right? That's why, again, that's why we have microwaves, because we don't want to take time doing anything. 
But let me let me get real personal for you for just a minute. This is where that ridiculous statement comes from when parents sometimes say, "Well, I spend quality time with my family, not quantity time." That is not a real thing. That's what a microwave generation says. Say, I don't have time for my family, so I'm going to shove it all in here and get it done really fast, and it's going to be okay, and don't worry about it. This is why we have fast food restaurants on every street corner. This is why we get angry when the drive through line takes five minutes instead of four minutes. We are not a delayed gratification country. We want everything that's promised, and we want it now. The writer of Hebrews says that these people were glad just to see things from far away. Like, can you imagine being glad just to have hope and faith without ever actually receiving your promise? Let's just go around and tell everybody, hey, come to church with me. You won't get anything, but man, you'll have hope. That doesn't sound like a very good sales page. Let's go on to the next few verses. This is why we find out what was going on in verse 13. Why they could wait and have hope and faith without ever receiving the promise. Because he says, when people talk like this, when they talk about the future hope and their future faith, it's clear that they are looking for a place to call their own. If they'd been talking about the land where they had once, they could have gone back at any time. But they were looking forward to a better home in heaven. And this is why God wasn't ashamed, it says, wasn't ashamed for them to call him their God and why he built a city for them. Look, we've got to stop waiting for God to fulfill every promise and instead start living like we believe that he will. And often, even for me, I sit back and I wait for God to move before I do. God, I'm just going to sit here until you show up and you bless me and you do something and then I'll take that next step. We spent the last three weeks talking about the kingdom of God. And I think verse 14 sums that up. He says, they were looking for a place to call their own. They were looking for a kingdom that they didn't find here. This present world wasn't it. And I think that is the thing that separates the people in chapter 11 in the hall of faith often from me, maybe from you. Is that they didn't look at this life and this world and what they got here as the end result of their faith. They weren't looking to find the blessings of God in the world around them. They were looking to a future that they couldn't see and a hope of something that they hadn't reached yet. And they go, when I get there, that's when I'm going to be blessed. That's where I'm going to have a kingdom. That's where God's going to be with me. So each of us have a choice to make. 
Do you want to go back to where you came from or press on to what you were called for? And I think that's really the story of, of, of Abel and of Noah and of Abraham. At any point, they could have turned back and said, nah, no, I'm not going to give you the best sacrifice that I have. I'm not going to build this ark that you're talking about to protect me from this rain thing that you're talking No, I'm not going to leave the comfort of my home and my family and my wealth and my position to go to a land that I've never been to and live in a tent the rest of my life. Speaking of tents, I hope you guys are going to sign up for the camping trip next weekend. I will be in the cabin. There's a few beds if you need one. This is the difference between people of faith and people of fear. People of faith don't hold on to what is. They press on to what's coming. And if we want to see God work in our lives, we've got to stop waiting for God to fulfill every promise. And we've got to start living like we just believe that he will. What would happen if we as people of faith stopped expecting God to bless us and started being a blessing for him? If we stopped going, God, look, I showed up at church last week. I gave a little bit. I served a little bit. I did this thing, and I helped this old lady cross the street. And so what are you going to do for me today? And we just started saying, look, this world isn't my home, but there's a kingdom that I, that I have promised, and I believe that that's coming. And so the things I'm going to do today are not about what I'm going to get tomorrow, but what I'm going to get when I get to be with him. We would only do that. Have that kind of faith and that kind of hope if we're looking forward to a better home than the one we have. Look, if you're waiting for God to bless you so that you can walk in faith, you don't have faith. But if you simply trust the promise maker, I believe you'll see his power materialized in your life. And I think God is waiting for us as his people to stop waiting for him to give us enough blessing so that we can move forward. And, and he's waiting for us just to go, okay, God, I trust in you in this future that I can't see, and so I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna take that step. I'm gonna do that thing. I'm gonna give that. And I'm gonna watch you work. Faith doesn't guarantee the absence of pain. But it is the promise of the presence of God through every struggle and every day that we face. So the question I want to leave you with today is this. Do you trust the promise maker? Is that enough is it enough for you to say, God, even if you don't bless me today or tomorrow, I'm still going to follow you because I have hope in something I can't see. And you've given me confidence to walk into a future that's unknown to me because I trust you, not the things that you give me. If, 
if you're in that kind of limbo place today, we want to encourage you to, to take the next step and to trust God because that's where faith is developed. Not in the past and what he's done, but in the future and what he's going to do in your life. And so if you're ready to trust the promise maker, we want you to take your next step to, to, to make sure that, that, that you're ready to surrender your life to God and to be a part of his kingdom so that one day maybe you will be in a list like Hebrews 11 and say, look, this person or these people, this church, there was no promise of anything down the road, but they moved ahead anyway because God was with them. And they looked to a future that they couldn't really see to accomplish some great things for the kingdom. And so if you want to take that next step in, in your life and you're here in person today, I want to just invite you to go back to the Connection Hub after the service this morning and talk to one of our volunteers back there. We'd love to know what God is doing in your life and how he's moving. And if you need to know what your next step is, that's a good place to go and to figure that out. If you're joining us online, you can click the raise hand button. If you're joining us at live.reallifecc.us and one of our hosts will connect with you and we'll help you uh, uh, take your next step that way. If you're watching on uh, Facebook Live, you can jump over to reallifecc.us and click on uh, the next steps link and uh, you'll find some information there as well. We'd love to know about it and we'd love to have you join us uh, as a part of this kingdom as we move into an unknown future with faith. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us and giving us so many good things and just thanks for all that you do for us. And, and God, would you, would you just move in our lives as we trust you, and as we have faith each day for what you're going to give us? Would you accomplish all of those great things? Not, God, in the present, but as we trust you, would you give us the, the faith, the steps to move forward into an unknown future? because of who you are, not just because of what you've done. God, we have a lot of expectations and we often expect that you're gonna bless us in this life. But the greatest blessing that you've given us is the blessing of your presence through all of the struggles and the hope of a, of a, of a city, of a new kingdom where we get to be with you face to face. And so would we look towards that God and not to this world because this world is not our home. Help us, God, to take each of those steps and, and watch you work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand up and we'll sing one more song. And then maybe there will be a video, or maybe you can leave. We don't know.
quid pro quo. 